Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And Rachel, I don't know if you ever do this, but I think if we're honest, we all do. I've got a confession to make. Santa is not the only one who keeps a list. I, I do it. A naughty list? Well, what I mean by that is I think that we all subconsciously, or maybe consciously, have these two lists. We have the good list and the naughty list. And I will sometimes have that list of people that I get along with. People that I like to hang out with, people that make me smile or make me laugh, people that have done nice things for me. They kind of seem to go on that good list. And then if someone has wronged me or talked behind my back or done something hurtful, I kind of have a tendency to put them over here on this other list where it's maybe somebody I don't really want to be around. And God has been convicting me of that. And I want to talk about it today because here at the Encouragement Cafe table, we can talk about anything without judging one another, right? Yes. I'm hoping you don't judge me because I am saying I do have those lists, but not intentionally, but But God has been convicting me and saying, Luann, I need you to open your eyes, open your heart, and look at how you kind of separate the people in your world. Okay, so I have a naughty list too, only I don't call it my naughty list. I call it the the reservation log for those who've booked a stay in my doghouse. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they chose to stay okay. there. They chose a one-way ticket to the doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one way. Okay. All right. That's a naughty list, girlfriend. Well, no, I mean, sometimes no. Sometimes they do their stay. Maybe they're only there a day or a night, or maybe they need to spend a week or a month. But, yeah, I mean, some people do come out of the doghouse, and they can go back onto the good list. Right. So if they are... Right, what, um, repentant enough or um, sometimes I just get tired. It takes a lot of energy to um, maintain the doghouse, right? So sometimes it's interesting how we can just get tired of having this person on on the naughty list and in the doghouse and we'll just let them back out because um, we just don't need another residence to maintain. But other times, yeah, if they've hurt us really bad or they're very different than us or get this, Luann, they have beliefs that differ from ours. They have to stay in there. Well, you know, I, I believe that we all do that. There are some people that we just enjoy being around. Like really, Rachel, I love being around you. Uh, and my husband does too. He's like, when is Rachel coming back? I really miss her. <laughs> You know, you just bring, the moment you walk into a room, the room changes. It gets lighter. It gets more fun. It gets energetic. And I enjoy being around you. 
And so you're always on my list of people that I'm like, yep, I want to hang out with her. But then there are some people that I know if I answer their phone call, if I answer their email, if I answer their text, it's not going to be just a short howdy-do. It's going to be a long, uh, I have to make sure I have time, and it's going to be a long process, and they're probably going to turn sour at some point because there are some folks who just have a tendency to live in the negative, and I can only take a little bit of that before I'm, like, exhausted. So I, I tend to put them on that list of maybe... Maybe I can start using your term. I put them on the dog reservation for the doghouse. <laughs> they made a reservation. <laughs> exactly. But here's something that God has been teaching me. Doggone it. He just never is. He's never going to leave us where we are. He's always going to try to point things out that we need to improve. And he has been saying, Luann, where did you ever see my son Jesus have a list in the Bible. I mean, he didn't. Before we even get there, I immediately, when you said that thought about Zacchaeus, right? Tax collectors, uh, they were on the naughty list for, for society in that day, right? Um, uh, harlots, former prostitutes, Mary Magdalene, you know, yeah, I mean, he was, there was no list of these people are safe and clean and I will commune with them and these people are bad and wrong and dirty and they, they don't get my presence or they don't get. So it's interesting. As soon as you said that, I realized you're right. Jesus did not have a list. He took everybody on the face value of their worth because they were a human made in God's image. And then from there, it was whether or not they they heard and accepted his teaching. Everybody in society has a list. And so we make, we make good lists, we make bad lists, but Jesus never made a list. He looked at every single one of us as needing a savior and he was there to make sure that we felt compelled to come to him and so when i when i think about that i think about this woman at the well because you know that's that's what i'm writing my book about this woman at the well in john chapter 4 and she is on everybody's list right I mean, let's think about some of the lists that she could be on. Well, she's got the scarlet letter, right? Because she has multiple past husbands. And I imagine maybe the other women don't necessarily trust her around their husbands. Um, yeah, so she's on, on that list for, you know, I don't know what you would call it. You know, couldn't keep her marriage or, or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, she's also on the Samaritan list, which is, in that day, uh, half-breeds is what they would call them. They, they weren't really real Jewish people. They had married and intermarried, and all of a sudden, they were on a list of, you're not as good as us kind of list. And, of course, she's a woman, so in that day... Women were not considered as good as men. They just weren't. They didn't have any rights. Yeah, they were second-class citizens. So she is a second-class citizen due to her gender. Um, 
third-class citizen if you want to add her her, her her culture or her race on top of that. And then fourth-class by the time you get to uh, kind of her history and what her, her, her life story and uh, family history and, and choices in men have been up until now, right? Right. But Jesus did not see her as being on a list. And I, I just want to ask right now if if we ever look at someone and we immediately make a judgment call, maybe we see the homeless guy on the corner. Maybe we see the, the person walk into our church and maybe they, they don't have the nicest things and maybe they don't even have clean clothes to wear. Or maybe we look at someone at our workplace and we think, you know, they don't have the education that I have. Or maybe we look and we prejudge them as soon as our eyes are on them. And I wonder if we were walking through that same desert that Jesus was walking through, and we came up to that well, and we saw this woman all by herself getting water from the well, if we would have prejudged and said, hmm, do I want her on my good list or my bad list? Well, if I knew anything about her her background, I probably would have thought she's a hot mess and uh, I ain't got time for that. Right, absolutely. And uh, boy, you hit the nail on the head. I have not, uh, I ain't got time for that, as you say. It's, it's giving of our time that is so hard for us to do. When we have our good list and our bad list, and I'm guilty, I am guilty. There are some people that I'm just like, ooh, I know they're not only gonna take my time, but they're gonna steal my time. And it's gonna get out of control. And I kind of look at it and I, I, I've waited out before and said, could this go south? And let me just say, you have to have wisdom and you have to have boundaries when you are deciding, you know, how to spend your time. But there are many, many people that God allows us to bump into along our daily route. And he says, I want you to pay attention to the people that I'm trying to reach because we may be the only way that they hear about Jesus that day. And so when we're thinking about that woman at the well or that person that walked into our church or the neighbor across the street, is God convicting us to not automatically put them on a list, but rather bring them into our life? The church has been, in, in my lifetime, pretty good at maintaining lists, right? And it's, the, it's, it's based on, um, the lists are based on how you behave, you know, what mistakes or sins you have made, um, whether you hold all the right beliefs, whether or not you disdain the wrong beliefs enough. 
Um, and what that's what we've been good at. We've been good at holding up rules and making lists and deciding who is inside, who, who, who is saved, and then on top of who is saved, who is really walking with the Lord and who is not really walking with the Lord and who is walking by faith and who is walking by sight and, and all of that. Um, what we have not been very good at is, um, and I don't even recall hearing a lot of teaching on it in my in my Christian life, is is how to live out the verses that say, "Don't judge." Oh, I agree. And it, what I immediately thought of was Matthew seven: "Do not judge, or you too will be judged." You know. We are not put on this earth to judge one another, and yet that's exactly what we do when we place someone on our good list or our bad list or the light side or the dark side. You can call it anything you want. You can call it reservation for the doghouse. But when we look at someone and we say, do they know enough? Have they been baptized? Are they living it out the way I think they should, I'm going to put them on a list. And I saw that play out when I was younger. I was brought up in a, in a rather legalistic church atmosphere. And I remember one young girl, I, I think that it's burned in my memory so that God will make me think about it and remind me when I'm doing this myself. But I remember Kay was the daughter of a sweet spirit woman who was going to our church. And when this woman gave her heart to Christ, her husband left her with three little ones to raise by herself. And she was absolutely living day-to-day trying to raise these three kids. And she would not turn her back on her Savior. And that was the only way her husband would take her back. And so she just chose to tough it out. But her kids really had nothing growing up. And the church would come around them and, you know, try to provide and help them out. But I remember the oldest daughter kind of rebelled because she felt like, nobody wants me and everybody looks down on me because of my family life and really she had no say in what had happened to her and she was beautiful beautiful and I remember her just turning her back when she was a teenager and wandering off on her own to do her own thing and I remember then she was quite a bit older than me maybe 10 years older than me I remember when I was a teenager then, and I saw her come through the doors of the church, and her mom started crying, and she was so grateful that her little girl had come back to the church. And what I remember is everybody in the church whispering and talking about her, and I was brokenhearted that instead of reaching out to this young girl who had finally gotten up the guts to walk back through those church doors, everybody was whispering and staring 
at this young girl. And I think when we are honest, when we look and we prejudge other people, whether they're walking through our church doors or we see them across the street in our neighborhood, we have a tendency to say, they're a hot mess and I don't have time for that. And that's when we do that judging thing we've been told not to do. You know, I, I'm contrasting in my mind your, your story of uh, Kay coming back through the church doors after a, a number of years sort of away in a, a rebellion that was triggered not really so much by choice of this is just how I choose to live, but more out of reaction to the, to the hurt and the disappointment that had been her life. I contrast the people whispering um, versus rejoicing with the story of um, the, the prodigal son, right? And so in the story of the prodigal son, you have the same thing. You have a young man who goes off into a kind of a rebellious phase and um, spends his time and his money in, in the worst possible ways and comes to his senses and then comes virtually crawling back home. And you have the older brother there who's whispering and judging and says, oh, no, they blew it. They don't deserve back in the house now. Um, but you have the father who says, this is a magnificent day. My son who was lost is now found. He is back and it's cause for rejoicing. And everything else that he had done in those previous years, none of that mattered compared to the fact that he had made the decision in his mind and in his heart to return to the father. I know that there are folks listening right now who have pointed an accusing finger and said, they're a mess, and I really don't have time for that. Right now, maybe what we can do is just ask God to forgive us for acting as the judge and for putting them on a list they had no reason to be on. Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sometimes it takes people longer to process and get to a point where they are starting to look more like Jesus. But it's not up to us to hurry them along and make sure that they're doing it the way we were taught or the way we think it should be done. Sometimes we just have to allow God to do what he's going to do. We show up and we love them the way that Jesus loved the woman at the well, the way that the father loved the prodigal son, the way that Jesus called Zacchaeus out of the tree, the way that he showed up for the woman caught in adultery. Jesus never made the list he just said, all need my saving grace. And he wants us to put on those God goggles and see the people around us with no dark side or good side. It's just a fellow warrior in this life who needs a savior. 
what I, I love is that, you know, God is just like, yep, yep, yeah, you did. You messed up again, Rachel. Yep, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the least. I'm also not uh, any more upset with you today than yesterday or the day before because it's all grace and it's all love. Just go and sin no more. Which even as Jesus said that to the woman, I mean, that's direction for here's what I want you to kind of set your mind on. Uh, You know, here's the goal I want you to have for yourself, which is to go and not do this again. But you know what? Had she done that again, Jesus would have done the exact same thing. He would have helped her out of it again and granted her grace again and filled, covered her with love again. And that's just where we fall short. And it's really hard to balance this teaching, this do not judge and and love others and welcome back the prodigals. It's really hard to balance that with the idea of the fact that we do also need boundaries and we do need discernment. And we don't want to have our, ourselves pulled down into a downward spiral that someone else might be spiraling down in. Um, so it's hard, and I don't really have the answers for how to balance those. But I think you're absolutely right, Luann. I think that I often fall on the side of making the list and deeming them a hot mess and walking away more often than I do rejoicing over the prodigal that's returned. We expect people to behave a certain way. And our expectations are rarely met. Rarely. We expect other people to fall into that list, that imaginary list that we've created in our own mind and in our own heart. And Jesus says, He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that He is the judge. And our mission and our goal in life is to do the most important thing that he told us to do, love God and love others. And that commandment was one commandment. It wasn't two because he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Not what, are, what is the greatest two commandments. It's what is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is love God and love others. And so we, when we choose to make that list in our mind and in our heart, and we say, wait a minute, they wronged us. I am not going to let them back into my house. They're going to remain in the doghouse. And I'm going to treat these people over here better because they've met my expectations and they've done what I have on my list of things that make people worthy of my love. God says, no, no. Let's do that first commandment and let's do it well because the Bible says they will know you are mine by your love. Hey, it's a hard thing to balance, but I know that together we can do this. This week, I'm going to encourage us all to abandon the list and just love. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at EncouragementCafe.com. 
Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.